This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Rock, tonight, you and 29 other guys are going to go into that match. Finally, The Rock has come back to New York City. Rock, tonight you and 29 other superstars will be in that ring for the Royal Rumble match, and you have a bullseye on your chest. Is there any superstar who you may be concerned with? Well, The Rock says this. There are two WWF superstars who The Rock has a concern with. There are two who might give The Rock problems. Number one is going to be Crash Holly. Number two is going to be Headbanger Mosh. And The Rock says if he could get by those two, then he might have a shot at winning the Royal Rumble. Uh, Rock, with, uh, with all due respect, shouldn't you be a little more concerned with, say, The Big Show? Well, The Rock says this. You should be concerned with fixing yourself a nice tall glass of Shut Up Juice. Fix it. The Rock says this, Big Show, do you actually think that you're going to win the Royal Rumble? Do you actually think that you're going to take the great one and throw him over the top rope? Do you actually think that you're going on to WrestleMania and becoming the WWF champion? Well, The Rock says this, he wipes a monkey's ass with what you think. Yeah. Big Show, The Rock says this, He's going to go out there in the middle of the people's ring. Royal Rumble. The Rock's music is going to hit. If you smell and 20,000 Rock fans all stand on their feet, goosebumps on their arm, electricity going through their body. The Rock says this, as God, as The Rock's witness, he hopes, he prays that you, Big Show, and The Rock are the last two in the ring. So The Rock thinks, no, he knows, no. The Rock guarantees to win the Royal Rumble right here in New York City. Man, that is a huge guarantee, King. Wow. They smell what The Rock's cooking out there. And The Rock says this big show, just as sure as The Rock is without a shadow of a doubt, the best there ever was the rock says as sure as the rock has the brahma bull tattooed on his arm is as sure as the rock it's going to wrestlemania and becoming without a shadow of a doubt the best damn wwf champion there ever was if you smell what the rock is cooking it's my music break it down it's Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? Eat me. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich, and joining me today, 
making his debut here on the podcast. He is a writer for Voices of Wrestling, uh, usually reviewing or previewing all of the just shitty WWE pay-per-views so that I don't have to. He, he truly is a mensch, of course. Uh, it's the wonderful Suit Williams. Suit, welcome, man. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Suit. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I see you heard my call out on the G1 show I reviewed. I did, yeah. I read that review you did, and uh, I, I'm perusing it, of course, and I see the sentence or sentences you said about uh, the Hangman Pages uh, new theme uh, being comparable to Ennio Morricone's Ecstasy of Gold, of course, from Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And you said, and I think you said, you say, Andrew Rich, I know music, you know, have me on music of the mat. <laughs> and I said to myself, damn it, I gotta have Suit on now. I gotta have him on. So, and, and here you are. Here you are, Suit. It's like a New Japan lineup. All you gotta do is call him out. Yeah. It's a mad rush to it's Twitter. It's a mad rush oh, to yeah. the, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, it's good to have you here, Suit. And uh, again, I, I, I really do thank you uh, for just reviewing all of those terrible WWE shows. You and Kelly Harris. I, 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 I really don't know. I don't know how you guys managed to review those shows so often and just not smash your computers against the wall in sheer madness. I, it, it's quite the Herculean task, if I do say so myself there, uh, Suit. Well, thank you. I genuinely don't know why I do it either. Like, it'll come the day, and I don't have the network. Like, I've let my network lapse, and then I just get my schedule from work, and I don't have work for the pay-per-view so i just jump in the slack and say hey i'll review the show like the big <laughs> dummy i am and then at 10 o'clock i'm just sitting here like wow i really wasted my time why did i watch this and there's still four hours to go oh god <laughs> oh no what have i done <laughs> yep yeah. i'm watching baron corbin versus finn balor and just looking outside at the sun and just <laughs> Wishing I could be out there. <laughs> See, I have only reviewed like a few shows over the years for Voices of Wrestling because you know I'm more of a, a character and story kind of guy. I, I prefer writing you know articles as opposed to show yeah. reviews, uh, and I think the same is true with this podcast because my my analysis of music is geared more towards how the songs reflect on the wrestler and how they fit their character. And their, you know, their their storylines and so forth, and looking at those kinds of connections, uh, that's what I know I'm good at doing, uh, and that's why I love having guys on like Christo Vembrino when he's on, who brings the other side of that stuff, who brings the technical, the, the nitty gritty analysis. It, it gives things a nice a nice balance, I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I can't say I'm one of those guys. <laughs> that's fine. I'm not really like, well. My dad is a band teacher, but I never really like picked up the like nitty gritty stuff. But I'm kind of the same as you, where I like connected to, where I connected to the character and like the time in which they came out to the song mm -hmm. and just like the feelings around that. So I, I can really like relate to you on that front. All right, yeah. Well, to each their own, of course. There are different ways to analyze music, and that's what this podcast is all about: bringing on different uh, voices. No pun intended there, uh, to talk about music in their own ways. Um, so I guess before we get into today's topic, uh, I'll ask you uh, this you know, prelim question here I ask pretty much all the guests. 
for the first time when they come on. Uh, you know, wrestling. How did you get into wrestling? And as a follow-up, you know, what is your relationship, your history with wrestling music itself? Well, it's interesting you ask because I believe it was last year for TNA Week on Voices of Wrestling where I actually wrote an article about the first full episode of a wrestling show I ever watched. And it was actually an episode of Impact. I remember that, yeah. yeah. Yep, it was back in 2008. It was god-awful. Do not look for <laughs> it. I remember Kurt Angle coming out and being in like four awful segments and just, how do you do that with Kurt Angle? But, <laughs> but in case you haven't read it, um, I was staying up late and I was trying to watch this show on Spike TV called Pros vs. Joes. I remember where, that too, yeah. <laughs> where retired athletes would play regular guys in different sports. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened I turned on Spike TV and I see a match. It was that I've determined to be AJ Styles and Christian Cage versus Team 3D. And uh, I just see it and I see AJ Styles do this dive. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? And then it turns out to be wrestling. And I've been in it ever since. <laughs> and then as far as like the wrestling music goes, I've like you'll always see me around with headphones in and you'll either hear me listen to like a podcast or like nine times out of ten, you'll hear me listen to wrestling music. Like uh, I've got Spotify now, so I've kind of like broadened it a little bit to where I'm not just on YouTube searching oh, uh, Goldberg WCW theme. <laughs> so, uh, but a bunch of it's on Spotify too, so yeah. that's great. Yeah. So yeah, I I just really like wrestling music. A lot of it's like super energetic and it just, just puts you in a good place, at least mm-hmm. for me. Definitely, definitely. Uh, well, today's suit, we are here on episode 40, the big 4-0 of Music of the Mat. Uh, so this is kind of the end of another batch of 10 episodes. Another quote-unquote season of the podcast is wrapping up here. And I figure, you know, an episode like this requires a topic of some magnitude. Uh, this needs to be a big one. Dare I say it needs to be a great one? Hmm? And uh, today's topic is uh, certainly a great one because we're talking about the theme history of the great one, the people's champ, the most electrifying man in all of sports entertainment, The Rock. And unless you've been living under a rock, elbow nudge, elbow nudge, then uh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> then you you know you know who The Rock is. Uh and he's one of the most popular wrestlers ever. Uh nowadays he's one of the most popular movie stars in the world today. Uh, The guy is just, he's an all-star. And every wrestling fan, from novice to expert, they know who The Rock is, and his mannerisms, and his personality, and and catchphrases, and all that stuff. You know, rock bottom, people's elbow, raising the eyebrow, finally, know your role, shut your mouth, etc., etc., etc. And chances are, those same people like The Rock. I mean, I like The Rock a lot. And, you know, not not so much his second run from a few years ago, but certainly, you know, classic Attitude Era rock. I'm a big fan of him. I could spend hours on YouTube just watching old promos of his or, or old matches of his with 
guys like Mankind or Triple H or Stone Cold. So he's, you know, on the all-time list. He's one of my favorites. And Suit, I imagine that uh, you like The Rock as well uh, from one era or another. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to look at The Rock like in his prime and not dig him. Because, I mean, he's, he was great on promos, great wrestler. Like, w- he had the look. Like, what wasn't there to like? Like, he would have been a star in literally any time in wrestling. Like, you put him in uh, Jim Crockett promotions in the 80s against, like, have him cutting promos every Saturday night against Ric Flair or Dusty Rhodes or Tully Blanchard or something. He would have been great. But there was something about, like, that point in time in wrestling, like, the late 90s, the Attitude Era. There's something about that time that really helped to make him a megastar, like a transcendent kind of guy. So, yeah, I did like The Rock. Well, I liked his old stuff. Like you, his second run was very, very odd. Mm. And The Rock now, like for me, he's he's very odd himself because – He's kind of like this Tony Robbins-esque, like, motivational speaker now, as well as being, like, an actor and all that. And he feels like a guy who went from being effortlessly good at everything to a guy who's trying way too hard. Because mm. it's like, you see him on Instagram, and it's like, hey, guys, DJ here. And it's like, DJ, what are you doing? <laughs> like. You're the rock, dude. Just own it. Like, stop trying to be regular. You're not regular. <laughs> You're not normal. Yeah, it's it's weird. You know, as I, I guess to borrow a to borrow a phrase or a sentence from JBL, if you were to build a WWE superstar from the ground up, it'd be Randy. Or, no, it'd be <laughs> it'd be the Rock. It would be the Rock because, like you said, he had everything. He had all the tools, the look. The athleticism, the charisma, the personality. He's he's so smooth and really, like you said, he was so like effortless back in the day. He, his promo work practically second to none, you know, because he just it just oozes so much like it factor. You know, yeah. he was just he was he was funny, he had the catchphrases, people gravitated towards him, they they loved him. Much like in a lot of ways, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I, th- I think the reason why him and Austin made such great rivals is that they were two sides of the same charismatic coin. You know, Austin was the everyman ass kicker who represented the the regular working stiffs of the world. And Rock was the handsome, rich jock, you know, the, the cocky star athlete who all the other kids wanted to be around and, and so they could be cool too. And it was that, that clash of ideologies that made them such great such great rivals over the years but as time has gone on rock is he's changed a lot like you said he's changed so much he's gotten bigger yeah. physically uh he's gotten like you said he's gotten a lot more a lot more pandering you know a, a, right. a lot more cloying a lot more hey guys you know rock come on rock he was never like that he was always the too cool for the room if you got with him, you got with him. If you didn't, you didn't. And that was The Rock. But, right. like you said, he changed. Yeah, because, like, 
in compare his run to like 99 to his stuff from like 2012 mm. like the rock from 99 would not be trying to get things to trend on twitter no like he wouldn't say stuff for the sole purpose of getting it like the rock from 99 would never call somebody a kung pao bitch and then like get the crowd to chant it yeah. along and Cookie try to get plus cookie plus yeah fruity like, pebbles fruit no and that's on that pandering like level it's yeah. just like come on dude you're yes. trying too hard yeah well we'll get to that later of course uh yeah of course but you know what really fascinates me about the rock is that obviously he had a lot of success in wrestling you know multi-time wwe champion ic champion royal rumble winner tag champion Supremely popular, like we said, just a supernova of a talent. But all that success and really the, the bulk of his career essentially took place in a relatively short amount of time compared to today. I mean, he debuted in WWF at Survivor Series 96. And from then until Mania 17 in April 2001, he was a regular roster member. Then he would take a few months off to film uh, The Mummy Returns. Then he would come back. Then he would take some more time off. Then he would come back. Then he would take some more time off to film. And then he would have his last match of that initial run at uh, Mania 20 in March 04. So not including those breaks, The Rock was only there for like, what, six years or so? Which nowadays yeah. does not seem like that long. I mean, you got guys like The Miz... Dolph Ziggler, Kofi Kingston, Alicia Fox, Curtis Axel, Fandango, Primo. Those guys, they've been on the main roster, or in the system at least, for well over a decade at this point. It's it's pretty incredible how The Rock managed to squeeze in so much and just become such a massive star in a relatively short amount of time. And most of it, it's funny, most of it before he reached 30 as well. When The Rock right. left in 04, he was only 31. Only right. 31. It's amazing that he left wrestling to be a movie star basically in the prime of his athletic career. You know, that, that, that sweet spot of early to mid-30s is when a lot of guys hit their prime. That's right. when The Rock stopped. So it's really fascinating to think about how The Rock was there for just a finite amount of time. But he managed to just capitalize on it so well and, and just take the wrestling world by storm, you know? Yeah, it would be like if Okada just up and left New Japan today. Yeah. Because he just turned 30, right? And it's it's just insane because he became this business-changing superstar and left in the same period of time it takes for you know, Dolph Ziggler to get a world title run. Yeah. Like, it it really just shows, like, quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. Like, you can be there forever and not do a thing, or you could be there for five years and just change the business. Do everything. Right. Just make something, exactly, yeah, yeah. And tying it this into his themes, yes, you know, The Rock's main run, the first run, only lasted, like, six years or so, but in those six years... He also managed to have a decent amount of themes. The list of themes that we'll talk about here today is uh, technically 10, but there's like like different variations of them, different versions over the years. 
15 tracks uh, on this episode. But still, that's a ton of themes to have in a short amount of time like that. Again, compare this to nowadays where John Cena has had My Time Is Now for over a decade. Randy Orton has had voices for seemingly forever. Uh, The Rock has had a lot more themes to his name than those guys do. And he was there for like half the time that these guys have been there. Granted, most of those themes are simply variations on the same melody, the same basic that that simple iconic melody that uh, Jim Johnston came up with on the bass line one day. Most of the themes on today's episode are based around that. But still, as we go along here, you know, we'll bring up how that you know the way that those themes are composed are very important, and they say a lot about the rock and where he is. Uh, career-wise and personality-wise as well. Definitely. All right, so, uh, Suit, if you're ready, we'll get to the themes of The Rock. Are you ready, Suit? Let's do it. All right, well, uh, by the way, every theme on this list is composed by Jim Johnston. He's the man behind all of these themes. And we'll begin with The Rock's first theme, which he had when he debuted at Survivor Series 1996 as Rocky Maivia, the blue chipper, with a big smile on his face and a rather goofy-looking haircut and some even (laughs) goofier-looking ring gear. His first theme is called Destiny, and there are two versions of it. Uh, The first version is off of WWF We Gotta Wrestle, which was only released outside of the U.S. So let's hear the first version of Destiny. off here with a song that is built around a very simple structure. Uh, it's got those classic, uh, you know, those Jim Johnston organy synths, uh, probably made most famous uh, in the early Undertaker themes. And this song, the melody of the organ, is this series of prolonged notes that go up and down the scale at a pretty gradual pace. Again, very simple, basic stuff. A simple percussion and bass line as well. Really nothing to jump out the page here with this song. It's, it's a fairly generic theme. No clear markers that would indicate that it was specifically made for Walking Maivia. And as far as first themes go, it's not offensive, it's not bad, but it doesn't stand out either. Right. It it feels really generic. Like, you could see, like, a Dwayne Gill or a Barry Hardy standing in the ring <laughs> when Raw comes back from commercial, and this song would be playing. It's just... Really nondescript, kind of just, kind of just there. You hear it in one ear, out the other. Mm-hmm. And notice too how 
there really isn't any semblance of guitar work here as well. You know, when you think of The Rock and his entrance themes, you tend to think of those iconic guitar solos or, say, right. the classic main riff of The Rock's theme being played on a, a chunky guitar. We don't have that here, but really it is quite fitting because this isn't The Rock, of course. This isn't If You Smell or any of that stuff. It's just plain old Rocky Maivia. He doesn't have any of the classic traits or tropes that would define him and make him stand out later on in his career. At this point, he's just a young go-getter in the mid-card. Right, like this is getting saved by his dad, Rocky Maivia, from Rikishi in a gimp mask. <laughs> WrestleMania yeah. 13. I, I got gotcha, you, I got not, yeah. not Not Pulp Fiction, folks. WrestleMania yeah. 13, the song. <laughs> Uh, the second version of Destiny was released on WWF The Music Volume 2, which is basically the U.S. version of We Gotta Wrestle, with some slight variations. So here is the second and more well-known version of Destiny. So there's definitely a lot more going on here than with the first version of Destiny. Not too much. It's not it's not crazy over the top uh, with this one, but it definitely has enough elements in it that makes it a more interesting song than the first version of Destiny. The main riff, still on a synth, uh, still fairly basic, although this synth sound is further down the scale than the first one. It's a bit more metallic in tone. And the percussion is uh, pretty interesting because there are sections where it just sounds like your standard electronic drums, but there are other sections where the percussion takes on a more tribally sound to them, like a Donkey Kong jungle level type of thing. <laughs> and you know, a, a big part of The Rock's heritage and one of the aspects of the early Rocky Maivia character is that he is half Samoan. And he is the grandson of the wrestler, High Chief Peter Maivia. So putting in that tribally percussion, I think, is a nice nod to that heritage. But at the same time, the song is not overwhelmingly tribal. It doesn't go too far in that direction. So it's kind of a way of saying that The Rock is half Samoan, but it's not his full identity. Right. I mean... I don't know about you, Andrew, but when I think of a future money player in the wrestling business, I think xylophone. <laughs> I I think that's what that instrument is, because it sounds it sounds like it, right? 
Uh, it does. Like a xylophone. Yeah. Do, 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 do. yeah, it's something yeah. like that. Yeah, some sort of xylophone-ish instrument. Yeah. Yeah, you knew you knew Big Jim Johnston was getting his guitar solo in soon, mm-hmm. and he got him. He got it in here. Yeah. He got this. Um, this whole Rocky My V up point, it like it was very close to like not working. Well, I mean, it didn't work, but it was yeah. close to like not working to the point where it would sink the rock. Mm-hmm. And it was really just sticking a square peg in a round hole as far as like the character went. Because the rock's this just dynamic, charismatic guy, and you're trying to get him to be this one note. I'm a family man. I'm using my dad's name and my grandpa's name. Mm-hmm. Here for me, guys. Woo! <laughs> and it, it just didn't work. No. And as far as the the yeah, and as far as the theme goes, like it stands out a little bit more, but it still it still feels generic. Like if not a jobber would have it, you'd think like a lower card guy, like a Sal Sincere or something. (laughs) I'm digging digging the pulls here. I'm digging the (laughs) the old Tom Brandy pulls he got going on here. I like it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, we've got more. Oh, we've got more. We do get we do get that lovely guitar solo in here, but like you, like you said, it doesn't really grab you like the later guitar solos will down the line here. Um, so I think it, it is a nice bit of foreshadowing for what will come later on with his themes. But like you said, it's still not a standout theme at all. It's it's still kind of generic spectrum, certainly. Well, in the summer of 1997, Rocky Maivia thankfully turned heel and joined the Nation of Domination, or, as Jennifer Flowers pronounced it, the Nation of Domination. Nation of Domination! The the all-black militant heel stable, because, like you said, Suit, the fans were not really getting on board with the blue chipper, Rocky Maivia. Um, Rocky Sucks was a frequent chant for a little while. Uh, die, Rocky, die was another one. So, wisely... Which, I'm a little bit of a truther on that, because I never heard those chants, die, Rocky, die. Someone's going to have to point me to to a Raw or a SmackDown where that happened. Well, mm. not SmackDown, but like a Superstars or something. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, wisely, Rocky Maivia said, screw the fans, and he joined Farouk, Kama Mustafa and D'Lo Brown in The Nation of Domination. So his new theme was the stable theme, the nation's theme, and it's called, appropriately, Nation of Domination. We are the Nation of Domination! If I had to sum up this song in one word, that word would be 
ominous. This is a very ominous theme. It's meant to be foreboding and intimidating and brutal because the Nation of Domination itself was meant to be a brutal, intimidating stable. You got guys like Farouk and Kama Mustafa, big boys here. You need a theme that will get across the point how intimidating they can be. And this song does this wonderfully. There are so many little things in this song that make it sound as scary and ominous as it is. You've got the group chant that repeats all throughout the song. We are the nation of domination, nation of domination. It's booming and deep and in your face. The beat of the song has this like marching quality to it. It's boots on the ground. It's an army of guys just heavily stomping their way around. It's a brute force. Every once in a while, you'll hear this devastatingly deep boom in the mix. That sounds like a bomb going off. And underneath it all, if you listen closely, you can hear this like faint synth line that pads the song underneath as it goes along. Such a simple and effective way of adding an element of evil and menace as the song goes along. So all of these different elements come together to make, like I said, a very ominous, intimidating, militant force of a theme song. Just a wonderful job by Jim Johnson here with this one. Definitely, definitely. And that word you used, ominous, is the perfect word to describe this. It really gives you like an uneasy feeling as you go through. And like about a minute into the song, like the lyrics lay out and there's just the beat and that one held note. And it really just gives you like a feeling of like just dread and uneasiness and like unhappiness. Hmm. And I mean, that's fair when you saw Crush coming out to the song in 1997 because woof. <laughs> but. And yeah, there's a version with the rap from PG-13, J.C. Ice and Wolfie D. Yes, before Rock joined it, yep. Yep, and then there's a version without the rap, which which The Rock came out to. Mm-hmm. And then it has that same feeling of uneasiness, but I do kind of miss that rap. Because it's just something about it, just like it's a little bit of levity with this uneasy, like just kind of scary song but with two white guys from memphis <laughs> trying to rap over it true true yes a little uh like a little levity helps uh helps ease the burden i guess right yeah, yeah. and then like there is one well the whole song is really good but then like the backing beat for it has it has like a swagger about it and we're going to go through these songs. The swagger is just going to like build and build mm-hmm. until it's like mm-hmm. just for the rock. And I feel like this song fits the rock a lot better than Destiny did. And it's just yeah. going to get better and better from here. Yeah. And consequently, we talk about uh, danger and aggression with this song. The beauty of turning blue chipper, smiley baby face, Rocky Maya via heel and putting him in the nation and giving him this theme song is now that aura of intimidation and edginess and danger is transplanted onto Rocky Maivia. You know, Rocky raising his fist and standing side by side with Farouk and D'Lo and those guys and coming out to this theme song. 
makes him look like a proper threat. It makes him seem like a badass. Whereas if Rocky turned heel but stayed a singles wrestler and kept Destiny as his theme, I don't think it would have the same effect. Because Destiny is not a badass theme at all. It doesn't have that that foreboding, dangerous quality to it. It's it's generic tribal shit. But the Nation of Domination theme, it does have that. It, it, that that's why it was such a smart move to put Rocky in the stable and give him this theme. Obviously, later on, The Rock would move away from being the badass militant heel guy and become more of the cocky playboy athlete heel. But for now, anyway, uh, this theme works to make Rocky Maivia seem dangerous. Right. Like, Destiny's far too upbeat for this rock. Yeah. And, yeah, this theme just worked all the way around. Great stuff. Yeah. Uh, We'll touch upon this one briefly. There is a second version of the Nation of Domination theme that Rocky used in the stable. Uh, I'll play it here. We are the Nation of Domination! It's pretty much the same song. It has the, the same chant and marching beat and aggressive overtones. But it also has a gong at the beginning, which is kind of funny. And mm. the bass line is much more pronounced and noticeable in the second version. And the idea of the bass line becoming more prominent in the mix is actually something that we'll get to with our very next theme. So in March 1998, Rocky stages a coup and takes over the Nation of Domination. He kicks out Farouk and assumes leadership of the group. And a few changes take place in the stable. Number one, they would now be known simply as The Nation. Rocky Maivia would permanently be called The Rock. Owen Hart would join the group. And they would get a brand new theme song. Uh, This is a song called... You better know your role. You better know your role. We are the nation. What's important to note here is that we still have the percussion and the chant from the first Nation of Domination theme. That's all still here, but we have a new bass line. We have a new engine driving the song. And I brought this up on the last episode, the Owen Hart episode, 
how the original nation theme was, of course, militant and dangerous, and it fit that iteration of the group to a T. Well, for this new rock-led version of the group, this song is also quite fitting, because when The Rock took over, the direction of the group shifted from militant, black, fight-the-white-man stable to a stable that was all about being hip and cool. That's why Kama Mustafa became the godfather. D'Lo Brown started you know, bobbing his head like a madman. <laughs> the Rock started using all these catchphrases and being super cocky which is why a theme like this works, because that bass line is so funky and has so much swagger to it and so much bravado about it. it. It's the cock of the walk. So a theme like this, which combines the classic Nation of Domination chant and stomp with this new funky bass line is a great way of saying that it's still the nation. They're still going to kick your ass. But it's a new era of the nation. It's The Rock's stable now, not Farouk's. So there's going to be some changes around here. Right, right. I I don't think I had ever heard this theme before I was doing the research for the show. Uh, but the first thing you hear here is that the backing track is there. Like the like base for The Rock's music from here on out. It's there for the first time, and it raises that swagger level I was talking about. And this is a song where it does fit the change, but you can also picture The Rock and only The Rock coming out to this song, too. And this is the first one of his scenes where you really feel like this is like set for The Rock himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, this is The Rock's bass line. This is his melody. Obviously, it's a bare-bones version of it. It's still in its early stages. But this is it. This is the foundation for all of The Rock's theme songs going forward. And we'll see as we go along here how Jim Johnston builds upon that melody. How he builds upon that basic bass line as The Rock progresses in his career as well. So having what is the basis for The Rock's themes in this new nation theme is another way of drawing a line in the sand between the two eras of the group and putting a stamp on this new version of the group's theme as the rock's version as does by the way that opening stinger of the song you better know your role know your role being one of the rock's catchphrases so right. you could also say that this theme is technically the first example of one of the rock's catchphrases being used at the beginning in one of his theme songs or being used at any point in one of his theme songs, really. Right. This whole song is just the basis of the skyscraper that The Rock's career would be and the basis of the skyscraper he would soon climb and jump into off of a crane. With one leg, mind you. With one leg. And somehow make it even though the trajectory of his jump is far off the mark <laughs> but that's a little further that's, along. yes that's neither here nor there uh, yeah. <laughs> um all right so we talked about uh, a few stable themes with the nation let's get to let's get back to the rocks actual singles themes and this next theme really gets the ball rolling here and lays 
the foundation truly for the themes that will come later on in a number of different ways. This theme debuted in May 98 and was around until about August. It's called You Smell It. You smell what the rock is cooking. avenues we can go down with this song. I guess we'll start with the music itself. Uh, we are taking the bass line from the previous nation theme and we're putting it in a new environment. No more angry stomping, no more nation of domination chants. Instead we have a looser percussion, some sort of you know, shuffly instrumental elements in there, some lighter synths as well that add a bit of levity to it but not too much levity. The bass line itself is a bit higher in the mix, so that funky cool factor is still there, that, that swagger is still evident. So we're taking that, that newfound cockiness and attitude from that nation theme, and we're adding these new elements to it, these new components, and it, it's effectively saying that this is who The Rock is now. He is cool, he's loose, the old angry, nation militant guy is now no more he is instead arrogant and hip and with it and that sentiment will be felt in the rock's themes going forward right this one it's very much it's a very similar to you better know your role the last theme we talked about but this one's got those rock sound bites it's got that rock like stamp on it really mm -hmm. it's got all the sound bites you know you better know your role, you know, you smell what the rock is cooking, you know, and he's lucky he really hit, he really hit the bullseye with these catchphrases, because <laughs> I don't think these would work as well with the rock's catchphrases later on. Like, no. could you imagine this with sweet cream on an ice cream <laughs> sandwich? Or how about this one? Or you can drink a big tall glass of shut up juice. I like that one. Yeah. I like that. I, it's, I like that one, actually, I admit. I don't think that one ever made a shirt, and it shouldn't have. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's very much the same, but this one's just got that little rock, like that rock trademark on it. Yeah, it's a motif that is as synonymous with the rock just as much as the music is. You know, the opening stinger and the catchphrases that are peppered in throughout the song. Those are really I iconic. And like the music itself, those catchphrases are still in their early stages. They're used rather sparingly. And when you do hear them, they sound kind of conversational in a way. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Know your role and shut your mouth. The rock's laying the smackdown. They don't really convey the arrogance and the confidence and the command that we're used to hearing from them. 
even though putting those catchphrases in there is meant to convey that stuff, it is meant to suggest that The Rock is so full of himself that he has his song full of his own catchphrases. They still don't have enough oomph to them, you know? Yeah, I get it. It's doesn't have that energy of like the rock it's like it still feels a little closer to nation rock than like top guy rock Mm -hmm. so yeah but you know again early stages jim johnston is still figuring this stuff all out he's still tinkering and toying with the songs and the rock is still figuring this stuff out too he's still in his own early stages of being quote-unquote the rock but as we go along here, both Jim and The Rock will find that right formula. So the next theme that The Rock had, uh, he had from SummerSlam 98 in August until October. So basically the final months of The Rock being in the nation before the group disbanded and The Rock turned face. And it's available on WWF The Music Volume 3. This is The Rock Says. Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? Ha! The Rock's laying the smack down. The Rock says, The Rock says, The Rock says, The Rock says, Know your role and shut your mouth. <laughs> the Rock says, The Rock says, Know your damn role. So this is definitely in my top three favorite rock themes. I love this song a lot, and what I love about it is how it takes everything up a notch from the previous theme. Jim Johnston does what we just talked about him doing. He he tinkers and toys, and he built upon You Smell It. He took that song and he made it bigger. He made the song sound fuller. He added a ton of layers the sense he made the percussion just become so much more booming and so snappy the bass line is still there as prominent as ever and he also added the wah-wah guitar to the song which would become another staple of the rock's themes musically speaking there is so much more weight to this song uh, than previous themes and so much more of that that presence that unique spark that the rock has it really is unmistakably a rock theme. Of course, of course, the catchphrases help, as does the fact that there are more catchphrases than ever in this version, but speaking about the music, this is undeniably the rock's music, and that's what a great theme should be. It should be undeniable. It's, it's fantastic. Right, the rock was very much on his, like, Young Bucks t-shirt kind of deal, where he's just cranking out catchphrases like it's nothing. Hmm. So yeah, you got those added on. The guitars, like you said, they just add like a different like layer to the song. And it just gives it like some more energy and some more like just feeling to it. Like 
before when he said like do you smell what the rock is cooking on you smell it it's kind of just conversational and it's kind of like he's just telling it to you or like he's saying it in an interview where this one it feels a little more urgent it feels a little more like i'm ready to get out there it's feels just it's time to get out there and get in a fight so this one just it's got a little bit more energy and it's got that different layer into it and it just feels a lot different in a in a very good way yeah there's a lot more personality here there's a lot more arrogance to this song and with the vocal drops dare i say there's even more of a musicality to them as well the rock really gives it his all here and really lets the swagger and the confidence shine through. He puts that, that cocky laugh in there as well. <laughs> and it's so cool how the progression of The Rock matches the progression of the theme song. Because on screen, The Rock is getting more confident. He is getting more cocky and arrogant. So the two of them are, are pretty much interlinked at this point. As one progresses, so does the other. It's, it's pretty awesome. Right, it's that career like... It's the fact that their careers were like so synced up that just really, just really cool. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I always thought that The Rock had this song longer than he actually had it. I thought he had it throughout the rest of 98 and into 99 with the whole uh, corporation run. But he didn't. He only had it for a few months. And I think the reason why I always thought that he had it longer is because, to me, this feels like a proper heel theme. Right. And Corporation Rock was such a heel bastard that a song like this would be perfect for him and that run. And I thought that this was Corporation Rock's theme, but I guess I was mistaken. Um, and what's also interesting is that throughout September and October... The Rock was getting bigger and bigger face reactions from the crowd. He was getting cheered more and more. So not only was this theme not used for the big main event heel run, it was mainly used during a time when The Rock was a face. Right, like this was him post-Nation, because I remember it was he was trying he was saving D'Lo Brown from The Undertaker and Kane, and he came out. He beat him up, and then D'Lo just ran off and left him. So that was kind of him breaking off from the nation. And so there was just these couple months where it was just the people getting behind The Rock and The Rock still being the same guy. And then came that um, Deadly Game tournament at Survivor mm-hmm. Series 98 where the big turn happens. And, yeah, he was a face through all of this. Yeah. And that was when he was going up against Vince as well. Because if you right, remember, right. that was when the whole people's champion thing started. You know, fighting for the people and wanting to be the champion of the company because the belt was vacant at the time. And going into Delhi Games, The Rock was a face. And Mankind was the corporate stooge. He was Vince's guy. And in the finals, of course, there was the switch. There was the turn, the swerve, where... Vince and Shane sided with The Rock, and they kicked out Mick, and The Rock was now a heel. He was now the corporate champion. And I thought he had this theme for that run, but I guess I guess not. I tell you what, there are swerves, and there are swerves. And we've all been swerved. Swerve. Yes. <laughs> Russo! Uh, 
good old AE podcast shout out there for you. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, up next is a theme that we actually have four different versions of. Uh, I think there are actually more versions of them out there, but I can only find a few of them, I think. Uh, the Rock would have this theme from October 98 to September 99. So from Babyface to Heel Corporate Rock and then back to Babyface. Uh, it's called Do You Smell It? So let's hear version one of the song. Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? The Rock says, The Rock says, The Rock says, The Rock says. The Rock says, The Rock says, Know your damn role. that we've covered so far this one is the grimiest because this version it takes out the high-end synths that were bolstering the other songs the industrial shuffly guitar thing it really takes center stage here more so than other themes and the, the turnaround into the chorus is this like sinister dingy riff this even the rocks intro sounds angrier than usual. You know, do you smell what the rock is cooking? Maybe it's because it's louder in the mix than normal, but still, this version uh, here is—it's a bit dirtier and and more angry than we're used to with the rocks themes. Yeah, it feels like this was kind of like a demo, but they needed a new song, so it's just like, okay, just throw this one out there. I'll have the new one ready in a little bit. Just... Yeah. Give me a little while. Yeah. He didn't use this one for that long, too. So that's right. That's your point there. Yeah. So the second version of Do You Smell It uh, was used for a little bit longer here. So let's hear version two. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? The rock says, the rock says, the rock says, the rock says. So the synths are back in the mix, you can hear them again, and there's much less focus on the shuffly industrial stuff. The focus is back on the overall melody of the song. When it comes to The Rock's vocals, there's sort of an echo effect on them here, which is pretty unique. And with the turnaround, it has the beginnings of that epic sweaty guitar solo in there, that but it doesn't pull the trigger on them yet. It just goes back into the main melody. So it's, it's a little tease of what's to come later there, a suit. 
this is another one where it feels like, all right, I'm almost there. Let's use this one. This is my second demo. Next one's going to be the final version. Just let's take this one, use it for a little bit. It's a little cleaner. And then I'll have the real one just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And a song like this, it's really hard to classify it as a face theme or a heel theme. At this point, a lot of the super arrogant vocals are gone. At this point, it's just, The Rock says, The Rock says, The Rock says, no, you're damn roll. No more cocky laughter, no more, no, you roll and shut your mouth, ha ha ha. But at the same time, it doesn't feel like a rock face theme either as well. Which makes sense because half the time The Rock used this, I think, he was a heel. The other half, he was a face. So it's fitting that it straddles both worlds there. Version 3, and this is the most striking version of The Rock's theme yet. He had it for literally like one match on Raw. And it's striking for reasons that will become apparent right about now. Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? Like a nice car in a bad neighborhood, the song has been stripped of its parts. It's been stripped <laughs> of almost all of its recognizable elements. No more classic rock melody, no more layered synths, no more wah-wah guitar. What we get instead is basically an instrumental remix of Hypnotize by Biggie Smalls. It's that same beat and percussion and bass track mixed in with The Rock's vocal drops. And it's so striking to hear this song because it's not like I can't picture The Rock having a Biggie Smalls theme. That's fine. What I can't picture is the WWF even going for a Biggie Smalls theme at all. I just can't see those two entities interacting in any way. And it raises some questions for me. You know, did Jim Johnston get a wild hair up his ass one day and make this theme? Uh, was it a request from management? Did The Rock go to Jim Johnston and say, hey, use this? It's weird because it was only used for that one match on Raw. And after that, they went back to using version two of the song. And it's like, it's like, why did this happen at all? You know? Yeah, you feel it was like The Rock kind of just saying, hey, why don't I come out to Biggie Smalls? Can we do that? And <laughs> someone just went like, all right, I'll call Jim. And it's just, it's so odd. Because the only, the only video I could find of The Rock coming out to this song was him coming out for the match where he used this one song against Al Snow. Yeah. And it, like the swagger's just gone. Like you can hear the crowd kind of just confused. And then the sound bites don't really work with it either because it's kind of just like glued over top of it. Mm. And it just doesn't work. A swing and a miss here. I mean, I 
I think there's a way you could do it, but you'd have to like maybe mix it better. Yeah. But it just like nah, it it really didn't work here. Mm, no. So uh, the fourth and final version of Do You Smell It that we'll cover here was used from August to September 99. It's another quick turnaround here for a rock theme. So let's hear uh, the fourth and final version of Do You Smell It? Do you smell what the rock is cooking? The rock says, the rock says, the rock says, the rock says, final version is really bridging the gap between Do You Smell It and the next theme, Know Your Roll. A lot of the elements of this song are carried over to the next one. Uh, the guitar has become more emphasized. It's carrying the main melody of the song more so than prior versions. The synths are still there, but the emphatic guitar is what's important here, really. And speaking of emphatic guitars, we finally, finally get the epic guitar solos in the rocks theme. Those beautiful, noodly, sweaty, epic solos. Which, a fun fact about those solos, Jim Johnston, I saw a video clip of him talking about how he made the rocks themes. Those guitar solos were recorded, and then for the song, they were actually played backwards on the track wow. to give them like a sweeping in quality. Uh, and much like how The Rock Says took things up a notch, I think those guitar solos really take things up a notch as well. Because at this point, The Rock is a face again, full-fledged, and he's really becoming the guy, the, the face, no pun intended, of the company. I mean, Stone Cold at this point is going away to heal up, and the WWF needs The Rock to be their ultimate big babyface hero so these guitar solos to me just scream ultimate babyface hero no question right we're getting right into that like prime nostalgia rock period mm -hmm. with this with this one because you're just so close you're like right there but it's missing like one or two things to make it that iconic song and then they mm -hmm. fix it in the next version and then the next version is that's it. This is the yeah. song. This is yeah. just absolute iconic rock song. So we're close with this one. Very close. The formula's, the formula's almost there. Just got to tweak a little couple more things, and then you've got it. Right. Finally, The Rock has come back to Indianapolis. Triple H, let The Rock understand this for a second. 
Last week on Raw, he beat your ass in a cage match. And now this week, you're the number one contender for the WWF title? Well, The Rock realizes why that is, because you got a three-foot nose, you turn it sideways, and stick it straight up Vince's ass! Triple H, The Rock says, at this pay-per-view fully loaded, number one contender or no number one contender, The Rock is going to do to you exactly what he does best, and that's lay the smack down on your candy ass! Now, on to badass Billy Gunn. The Rock understands what took place. The night you won King of the Ring, you got down on your knees, put your little hands together, and you said a prayer, and it sounded like this. Oh, dear God. You see, my name's Billy, and I just won King of the Ring, but there's one problem. Everybody still thinks that I absolutely suck. And then at that point, Billy, your house started to shake, the heavens opened up, and God himself spoke to you and said this, Bob, but my name's Billy. It doesn't matter what your name is. You are absolutely right. You do suck. But there is one thing and one thing only you can do. You must go find the man who is simply electrifying. You must go find the rock. Oh, but God, anybody but the rock. Know your role and shut your mouth. And then, Billy, as fear went through your body, tears went down your cheek, and piss rolled down your leg. Your house started to shake again, the clouds parted, the heavens opened, and what seemed like millions of voices all said to you in unison, Jabroni, if you Is cooking. In September 1999, The Rock got another theme. Uh, he used this one from September 99 to April 01. So pretty much, like you said, so that entire nostalgic run he had as the mega babyface of the company in 2000, early 01. The Triple H feud, the McMahon feud, all that stuff. This was the song he had for it. This one can be found on WWF The Music Volume 4, and it's called Know Your Role. If you smell what the rock is cooking. The rock says, the rock, the rock 
So this is, hands down, definitely, without question, number one with a bullet, my favorite rock theme of all time. This is the one I think is the best. Just in general, the way that this song sounds is just plain awesome. Every little element that goes into this song, the guitars, the synths, the drums, the vocals, they're all mixed so well together and nothing feels out of place. Everything just fits perfectly. Again, it's Jim Johnston building up from the previous songs and creating this bombastic piece of music that is so full of life and so full of fire. There's no grime, there's no skepticism of like, well, I don't know about this piece of music or that piece of music. It just sounds so pure and so right. Like all those previous songs were just pressure on the coal and this is the diamond that came out of it. This is the apex. And when you combine this song with 2000, 2001 Rock, who is at the top of his game and is just killing it week after week after week, I think it makes this song that much more beloved because you associate it with the greatness that was The Rock during that time period. They sort of come together to form this big, warm, nostalgic goo in a way, you know? Right. Like, this is it. When you think of The Rock coming out to a song, this is what you think of. Like, the quote is different. It's got The Rock giving that if you smell, he's giving it everything he's got. And then it's a lot faster pace, which works with The Rock marching down to the ring with that WWF title just swinging it in his hands. And then the guitar, the... It, everything just comes together and melds into this just perfect mix for The Rock. And there's just, there's nothing else to say. You all know the song. Yeah. Like, it's just perfect. Yeah. I brought up earlier with The Rock Says how that song felt like a heel theme to me. This one absolutely sounds like a face theme. No question. The positive vibes and the heroism and the valiance that just emanate from those guitars and that melody are so overwhelming. The iconic guitar solos sound so bold. You can just picture in your mind the rock climbing the turnbuckle and raising his arm up while the crowd just cheers him on. And you mentioned the vocals and the stinger. What makes this seem just an undeniably face theme is that stinger. It's, it's no longer, do you smell what the rock is cooking? That's confrontational. That's arrogant. That's dickish. Instead, we get, if you smell what the rock is cooking, making that change eliminates the arrogance and replaces it with, again, bombast and fire. Those little drum fills in the intro act as these exclamation points that just punch up the song even further. And there's also an air of inclusivity as well, I think, because... When The Rock ends his promos with, If you smell what The Rock is cooking, the crowd says it with him. So this new intro really gets the point across that The Rock is a true face now. And he is he is with the people. He is the people's champ, as opposed to being against them and being the corporate champ, like with before. Definitely. It just it gives you that like shot of energy, that shot of electricity. Uh, ah. 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 Yeah, it's just 
it's perfect. It's just one of those songs that just, when it comes together, it works. Mm. And you can only see it with this one guy. Yeah. And one more thing about the Rock's vocals here. Uh, notice how at this point, they've taken steps to reduce the catchphrases even further. Because before with Do You Smell It, you still had The Rock Says, Know Your Damn Roll. Now it's just The Rock Says, The Rock Says, The Rock Says, The Rock Says, that's it. All the other catchphrases are gone. Which again, cuts down on the arrogance factor and also makes us focus more on the actual heroic music of the song. Which is a pattern that will continue with the next theme as well. Right. Uh, actually, there is one more catchphrase of sorts in the song, uh, about halfway through, where he says, A rock says he's gonna take your little CD, dust it off, put it sideways, and stick it straight up to the ass. The rock says he's gonna take your little CD, dust it off, turn it sideways, and stick it straight up your candy ass. <laughs> Which gave me a little chuckle when I heard it. So uh, after The Rock was defeated by Stone Cold Steve Austin at Mania 17, he went on a little hiatus uh, to film a movie. And when he came back in July during the invasion angle, he got yet another theme. And this one lasted until February 03. This is called If You Smell. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. Big Jimmy did some more tinkering here with this one. A few differences between this and Know Your Roll. Uh, some different percussion. Uh, the guitar synth mix is somewhat changed. Uh, there are a few new guitar solos in there as well. It's not too drastic a change, but I think it's a clear sign that they are continuing to shift the focus of the themes away from the personality of the rock his mannerisms and so forth, and more towards The Rock's overall superstar status, his big deal aura, if you will. We already see how they took away most of the catchphrases for Know Your Roll. Here, they took away all the catchphrases. The only one we have left is, if you smell what The Rock is cooking at the beginning. And even the way The Rock delivers that line is more epic than usual. He really gives it some gusto on that one. And the drum fills in the intro have more of a flair for the dramatic to them, I think, than Know Your Old do. If you smell, ba bum but the rock, bum ba bum is cooking. So really what we have here is a doubling down on showcasing the rock as an icon, as a superstar, 
as opposed to showcasing some of his more specific uh, intricacies. Which I think is a shame because while I don't think this is a bad song, it's fine. It does lack that personality that Know Your Role had, that, that personal touch that really makes the rock theme feel like the rock's theme. You know what I mean, Suit? I totally agree. This one is getting closer to the bottom of my rock themes because it feels a lot like the post-Attitude Era time in the WWF as a whole where it's kind of the same, but mm-hmm. there's just a real, there's like a different feeling to it where it just doesn't connect as well. And then uh, you talked about the drums in the intro. It reminds me of a quote to bring up the, uh, the AE podcast again. Uh, when they did the Rock's comeback, uh, Kevin, I believe he said, the louder the drums are in the intro, the worse the Rock is. And this was, it was kind of the era where people were getting tired of the Rock and tired of him leaving and coming back. You know, this is singing La Bamba to Eddie Guerrero Rock. <laughs> this is, as I mentioned before, sweet cream on a nice cream sandwich Rock. It's just like, it's not really hitting as well. And then you've got the guitar in the middle where it's still shredding, but it's a little muted under the beat. Like it's mixed differently to where it's quieter, like under the beat. And then it's followed with like, like a really lame, like drum set where it's just like kind of lazy. It's just like, it's kind of like a, a reset to get back to the start of the song. And then, like, the swagger of the old rock songs is just not here at all. Like, the cool mm. isn't there. It's, it feels a lot more produced and trying too hard, you know? Yeah, you say that. It is, I think, pretty fitting because at this time, The Rock himself is sort of going away in a ways. You know, he, was, he had his taste of Hollywood, and he was sort of keeping an eye on that, and... So The Rock at this point is starting to slip away from us. And by mid-02, The Rock of old is going to be sailing on to uh, the silver screen on a more permanent basis. So it kind of works that, unfortunately, that this song doesn't have the same, like, it factor that the old Rock theme had. Right. Finally, The Rock has come back to Toronto! To run! He's almost there. To run his mouth on all your candy asses! <laughs> what about that? There's a lot of candy asses out there, there are Thousands of them! Oh yeah, the rock is the rock is on raw. Why? SmackDown number one draft pick several moons ago. Maybe if these uh, Canucks will shut up and let him explain, maybe he'll tell us why he's here on Raw. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, now don't start chanting Rocky yet. You got to hear what The Rock is going to say, and then you decide whether you're going to chant Rocky or not. There you go. Oh, well, yeah. Big surprise. The Rock right here on Raw. Why? The Rock will tell you why. The Rock will tell you why because, see, last night, Last night at No Way Out, The Rock did Vince McMahon a favor, and he whooped that red and yellow candy ass. These people are in denial. And then, and then, 
Vince McMahon did The Rock a favor. He said, Rock, you can go wherever you want to go. You can do whatever you want to do. So The Rock said he wanted to go live Monday night on Raw. More importantly than that, The Rock said he wanted to come right here to Toronto, Canada. That Rock's sucking up in this crowd, if you ask me. And then The Rock said, uh, uh, wait a minute, are you, are you kidding The Rock? Are you kidding, The Rock? Look, is this the first time you've ever heard someone mention your city? Is that it? Oh, yay, hooray, he said Toronto, yay, woo, yay. that's where we live, we live in Toronto, yay, shut up. So, uh, February 2003 was a very notable time for The Rock, uh, because he had been away from WWE for a number of months uh, while being a movie star, and when he came back... He was looking a bit different there, suit. Uh, he had a very short haircut, leather vest, the big tribal tattoo on his arm, the giant belt buckle, <laughs> and instead of being the big hero, he was now a villain again because he was now a movie star, and he was above wrestling, and he would mock the fans. This era of rock is fondly known as Hollywood rock, and Hollywood rock's theme would eventually be released on WWE Uncaged 3. This is called Is Cookin'. I will say that this is also in my top three rock themes. I actually love this song a lot because of how genius it is. Because Hollywood Rock was such a glorious asshole. He was so conceited and smug and full of himself. And Jim Johnston, to his eternal credit, took that ball and ran with it, and incorporated that into The Rock's theme. We talked a bit about how The Rock's themes are representative of his character at the time that they're being used. And this is no different, because Jim took that uber-arrogance and uber-snottiness, and he conveyed all of that with the intro to this song. The intro is everything, because... We don't have, if you smell what the rock is cooking, we don't have that immediate kickstart my heart stinger that ignites the crowd, gets them on their feet, gets their blood pumping. 
we have that long, long, long intro <laughs> with the slow synth build. And the video, the video has these sweeping shots of LA at night. And finally, after what seems like forever, the music rises. And we hear the rock whisper, It's cooking. And it's so perfect because only a self-obsessed Hollywood douchebag would make his fans wait and wait and wait and wait for the payoff and milk their anticipation. And when it finally, finally gets to the climax, he kicks them in the balls again and says, no, 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 you're not getting the full catchphrase. You're getting two words of the catchphrase and I'm gonna whisper them because it's much more dramatic that way because I'm a big shot actor now. I'm an artist now. Oh, it's so delightfully douchey suit. I love it so much. This is my favorite rock song of all of them. The intro is absolutely incredible. The tight, the video of it too, where it's just helicopters and the skyline of LA, just so perfect with the character. And then, then when he whispers, is cooking, and then the bass comes in, and that bass is just turned up to eleven, just. It gives that those beats that we've been hearing for years gives them like a whole new punch. Just really hits you hard, and then the guitars here too—they just let loose with them, and it matches the rock letting loose too. He's being Hollywood. He's having fun. He's calling the hurricane the Hamburglar. <laughs> it's going on one of the yeah. most fun runs of his career. Finally, from a fan standpoint. Finally, like, the rock has come back to to run to run to run his mouth all over your candy asses oh it's so <laughs> great yay he said toronto yay that's where we live yay woo shut up oh it's so wonderful i love that it. toronto promo was excellent i also like uh finally the rock has come back to indiana indiana Indiana, who gives a crap? <laughs> uh, it's so great. Yeah, it, it's a theme song that, you know, it's still the rock's theme, still the same melody, still all that stuff, still the guitar solos in there, but you can tell it's been big-timed. It's been Hollywoodized, you yeah, might say. Cool. Like, Hollywood took the rock's theme and made it bigger and ballsier and more, like, like more like goopier, you know. You know what I mean? It's that Hollywood group factor. Yeah, it just feels like oh, it's so it's so much, and it's like the Rock himself is now so much. You know, it's he's he's been corrupted by Hollywood, as has his theme song. It's it's great. It's like a sequel to his old song. His old song was epic, but this one, it's like they made it more bombastic and more just like grandiose. And then the swagger is just all the way back with this one. It's it's just my favorite song. Yeah. Best rock song. Best rock run. Like, I love the Hollywood rock run, which was, like, what, two months? Two months. Like, February, February to April. To April. Yeah. yeah. Like, there Very was short. real... 
there was real money in this run, and it's a shame he couldn't stick around for more. Because this was just was incredible work. Yeah. Funny story, actually. I started I started watching wrestling in that sweet spot after Hollywood Rock left, but before he came back as regular face goatee rock in uh, four yeah. for that match against Evolution with McFoley again. And you know, I remember uh, renting WrestleMania 19 for the GameCube from Blockbuster when it came out. And when I played the game for the first time, and I picked The Rock for the first time, I was a bit taken aback because the music he had in the game was was is cooking. Because of the clips I had seen of The Rock at that time, he always came out to Know Your Role or If You Smell. I, I, I didn't know who Hollywood Rock was. So I... I was expecting to hear that in the game. I was expecting to hear, if you smell. But of course, in the game, he was Hollywood Rock. Right. So at the time, I was a bit disappointed and kind of annoyed because, damn it, I wanted to hear, if you smell. But nowadays, I appreciate and enjoy this song a lot more. And I appreciate Hollywood Rock a lot more, too. If you go back and watch those those clips, those, those few months between... No Way Out 03 and Backlash 03. I think it's some of the funniest stuff that Rock has ever done in his career. A uh, quick question about the game. Did they cut the intro for it? There is an edited version of this song. The album released as the full version, but in the game and I think in the uh, you know on Raw and stuff, they did you go, with this, yeah. go with an edited version. Good, because I remember, I think I have Here Comes the Pain. And the Undertaker song on that one, they don't cut the intro. So it's, well, was it Here Comes the Pain? or was It wasn't. It? I think oh. you're, you're thinking of Shut Your Mouth? Yes, where it's the intro where he's walking and it's... Yes. But they can't cut it for when he wins. So when yeah. he wins, instead of getting, you done it now, it's... Dead man walking. No, that was rolling. That was still rolling because it was oh, also yeah. it was also in Mania 18. Oh yeah, for the GameCube. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So but, I just wanted uh, to make sure that you didn't have to deal with the no that, almost <laughs> minute of silence. That was no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. It wasn't the case. It was like you know twenty seconds or whatever it was. But uh, all right, yeah. So uh, Hollywood Rock would only be around for a few months, and then he would leave for almost a year. Then he would come back as a face to team up with Mick Foley against Evolution at Media 20. And then The Rock just left for good. His contract expired, and he was now an actor. And, you know, he would make rare appearances on Raw over the years, and he would use Know Your Role again for those appearances. But besides all that... The Rock was just Dwayne Johnson now. He was he was a film star. Until, until February 2011, when the host of WrestleMania 27 was revealed as none other than The Rock. The Rock was back, folks. He was back. After so long away, The Rock was back in the WWE. And, if and I may, he was never, if, ever leaving. If I may quote Suit... The, the man <laughs> from that fateful night. I want to tell you thank you. I love you. And it is because of you that I am back in this ring. And it is because of you. And I give you my word. I am never, 
ever going away. Simply put, ladies and gentlemen, The Rock is back. Via satellite. <laughs> there How was long that... was it before he was back on Raw? After that? Uh, a few months, <laughs> I think. Give or take a few months. <laughs> <laughs> How long has it been since we've seen him on Raw, by the way? Uh, it's been From a few now? months. Give or take a few months. <laughs> But listen, live via satellite or not, The Rock was indeed back. And from 2011 to present day, whenever The Rock has decided to show up on WWE again, he has been using this theme song, his current theme song, the final theme on our list here. It's called Electrifying. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. I really don't have much left to say here, uh, considering we've already covered, you know, like 28 themes at this point. There isn't a lot of ground left to cover, but I will say that it's basically a remake of If You Smell. You know, the big over-the-top intro, the pounding drums, the emphasis on the synths in the main melody over the guitars, and of course the gnarly guitar solos are still in there in full effect. And I'll say this, Jim Johnston must have had the time of his life making these solos. Because he always puts full effort into them. I oh think. yeah. You could tell he just goes all the way in on these. Yeah. But, at the end of the day, much like The Rock himself, during his second run with the company, it just doesn't feel the same as the good old days. You know, it just feels like an attempt to mimic the magic of yesteryear as opposed to capturing the actual magic which to be fair is very 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 hard to do and in the case of the rock i don't think he was able to do it uh so i i i can't really give high marks to electrifying here uh, suit right like it's kind of back to that 2002 style of the song back mm -hmm. to as I scroll up to find the name of it, If You Smell, where it's, you still got the guitars, but it's, the swagger's kind of gone. And it feels the same with The Rock, because this is the era of The Rock where I call it Dwayne Johnson stars as The Rock. Yes. This is, D, this is DJ on Instagram <laughs> doing what he thinks The Rock would do instead of just doing instead of just doing him. And the result of that is calling CM Punk a cookie puss after Punk eviscerates him 
on a promo and says that his arms are too short to box with God. This is him calling John Cena Fruity Pebbles and just trending on Twitter and just not just not working. Not working the same. Mm. I mean, when he came back initially, he, he did have that nostalgic, you know, that, that, that initial nostalgic adrenaline rush, like, oh my god, The Rock is back! Holy shit, he's back! But that can only get you so far, you know? And when yeah. that wears off, you know, what do you have? You have Fruity Pebbles, you have Cookie Puss, you have Glad handing to the audience. You have John Cena calling out The Rock for writing his promos on his arm. Oh, I forgot about that. You've got boots to asses. You've got him cutting a promo in Madison Square Garden where he just names people. (laughs) Andre the Giant in this building. Andre the Giant. The shine wore off very quickly here. And it just, it made The Rock... Like you said, it made The Rock seem like Dwayne Johnson playing The Rock as opposed to him actually being The Rock. And this theme song feels like electrifying playing The Rock's theme as opposed to it feeling like The Rock's theme. Right. You know? Definitely. Yeah. Just, uh, uh, just what a run. And this is what... This is the rock we're stuck with now, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. I guess we'll see him the next time Raw's in New York and he has an off day. Mm-hmm. Get the flamethrower ready, you know? Yeah. Oh, God. Not the flamethrower. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry I brought that up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I remember watching that WrestleMania. It was like six hours long. And then that same night, I had to write a really long paper for English that I hadn't started yet. And that was just an awful night. Just horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, technically, The Rock's last match. Because he beat Eric Rowan oh, in like six man. seconds. I remember he, he ripped his trousers off. And he, had, <laughs> he was in his tights. Rock bottom, one, two, three. That was it. You know? And that yeah. was it for The Rock. That's, that's the last Rock match so far. Oh, hey. Put that on your resume, Eric. <laughs> Oh, boy. So that was our look at the many, many themes, the millions and millions of themes for The Rock. And, you know, despite not being a big fan of of what The Rock became during that second run, uh, at the end of the day, it's still The Rock. You know, I, I still feel that thrill whenever he makes his entrance. Because no matter what, when I hear, if you smell... It's like a Pavlovian response at this point. I can't help but get excited when I hear it. it. It's the same for the glass shattering for Stone Cold or the Undertaker bell. It still captures me. And going back and watching clips of The Rock on YouTube, of him cutting promos and going back and forth with Stone Cold or Mankind or even the Hurricane, I could watch that stuff all day long. Because so much of The Rock's oeuvre is so entertaining and so great. And the good of the olden days certainly outweighs the bad of the more recent days, in my opinion. Uh, What about you, Suit? Any final thoughts on The Rock or his entrance themes? I mean, the themes, they're they're pretty good. Like, Is Cookin's one of my favorite of all time. Know Your Role is iconic. 
The rest of them are pretty good too. And then as far as the rock goes, you know, he his old stuff's great. Like wrestler rock is good. Actor rock is uh... <laughs> eh. let's just say uh, skyscraper won't be on my Netflix queue. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. 40 episodes in the books. Holy macaroni. It's so cool to have made it this far. I'm so appreciative and so grateful uh, of all the listeners for supporting the podcast. Uh, Again, thank you all so, so much. And also a big thank you to all of my guest co-hosts from over the past 10 episodes. So a big shout out to Sean Cedor, Lee Malone, John Carroll, Joel Abraham, Rich Kreich, Joe Gagne, Damon McDonald, Tom Batista, and of course, Suit Williams. Suit, this was a ton of fun having you on the show. Anything you want to plug, the floor is yours. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, first, thank you for having me on. I love the show, and I'm so glad to have been on it. Um... As far as plugs go, you can see my writing on Voice of Wrestling. You'll see me on previews and reviews. You'll see me pop in here and there. Uh, you can also find me on PW Pondering, where I review Progress Wrestling out of the UK. Uh, I've got a new review coming soon, or by the time this episode comes out, it will have come out. Um, and you can also hear me talk WWE weekly on the Smart Sports Podcast. That is uh, S-M-A-R-K. So. Check that out, and you can follow me on Twitter for now, at Suit Williams. Uh, I say for now because every day I look at that deactivate account button, and it just gets better looking every day. So Every day is just a little bit bleaker than the day before it, I think. <laughs> yeah, but for now, you can follow me on Twitter, at Suit Williams. And Music of the Mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network which has plenty of excellent wrestling podcasts like the VOW Flagship, Everything Evolves, the Super J-Cast, Five Star Match Game, WrestleNomics, Lucha of the Hidden Temple, and many, many more. Check them all out at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at MusicOfTheMat. Follow me on Twitter at AndrewTRich. Go to the VOW forums to find the YouTube playlist for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofwrestling.com slash forum. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and elsewhere. Suit, thanks again, man. You were just great on the show here. And I'm sure I'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you, man. All right. Well, for Suit Williams, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. 40 episodes down, and the train just keeps on a-rolling. It's going to be a lot of fun. Take care, guys. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.